Welcome to Women Empower Active, an initiative started by UR Sportswear to empower women to find their own active adventure. I'm your host, Jacqueline Gross. Today, we are interviewing Veta Valerie, who is a skateboarder, and I'm so excited to hear more about her story. Um, I always think about skateboarding as like, it's fitness, but like, people don't usually say like, oh, I'm going to go like work out, I'm going to go skateboard. So um, I kind of want to know like how you got into that sport or how did you become active overall? Where you, did you do it when you were younger or how did that happen for you? Yeah, with skateboarding. Um, so like I lived with my dad and my stepmom when I was growing up uh, after I left Orange County and came up here. And so mm-hmm. like my dad and Lori were like hardcore partiers. Like they did drugs and all this other shit too. But it was like, Lori was like, you're going to play a fucking sport. Mm-hmm. And I grew up like... 10 minutes from Anaheim stadium. And so when I moved up here, like I just played baseball forever and like they didn't go to my games or like take me to practice or anything like that. So by the time I was like 14, I'm like, fuck baseball. Like I don't want to play anymore. I'm, and I had already started skating like around 10. And so it was just something that like for a neurodivergent person like myself, it really was like not so much a team sport, but I'm definitely like athletic. And like, you know, dedicated to landing what I wanted to like learn. That's really a hard thing to do. You just you have to stick with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody, skate, it's yeah, but it's worth it. You know, now I'm 35 and I still skate and I love skating. That's so cool. So yeah. did did you like have a lot of like a community around skateboarding when you were growing up, or like did you have a lot of friends on your baseball team? Like, how did that transition happen? Because it's kind of a different way to like find skateboarding. Yeah. Um, well, my mom, actually the first skateboard I ever rode is my mom's. So, so oh. my sister summer and I were like, I was two and she was four. And so we fat on one of those little um, banana boards together. Somehow I think about that now. And those boards are tiny, like two kids sitting on it and rolling down a hill. Um, and then she had another skateboard when I was probably, nine before I got like an actual street board mm-hmm. I was always like really interested in like learning how to skate but learning how to do tricks and stuff like that didn't come around until like maybe 10 or something mm-hmm. and so there was a couple kids in my like immediate vicinity that did skate but my baseball people were like I don't know I was always like not not liked I was younger than everybody because I started kindergarten and I was four in California. Mm -hmm. So when I moved up here, I was a year younger than everybody in my classes, like throughout school. And so like um, when I started skating, it was with older people. Like they were uh, at least a couple of years older than me and like gave me my first board. My neighbor gave me my first board on my 10th birthday, Mm -hmm. like an old board of his. So it's always kind of been like that. Like, um, the people that I was around skating, like were way better because I was like a little kid. (laughs) So it makes you want to like push yourself and learn how to ollie moving and like do a kickflip or whatever. You're always just like, I don't want to be better at skating. (laughs) Yeah. And that kind of worked out, but, uh, yeah, like a few of my friends, like, once I moved from Linwood to Marysville, they skated and like they were closer to my age, maybe like a year older than me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a long while before I finally got to skate with anybody my age. I was always like the little kid. Did did you just like not find other skateboarders your age, or are you just like that's who your friend group was was just a little bit older? Uh, well, my neighbor across the street was the one who really got me into it. There mm-hmm. was a skate shop in Linwood called Lost Boys that my mom, my mom's a hairstylist, so she like worked right next door at the salon. Yeah. And so like I knew the owner, Jeremy, and his mom, like my mom cut her hair and stuff like that. So I was always either hanging out in the salon or at Lost Boys. And so, yeah, nobody was really like, there was a couple of kids in my elementary school in like sixth grade who skated. Mm-hmm. that was it other than that everybody was like 14 and I was 10 yeah so which I mean now it's like it doesn't really seem like much of a difference but back then I'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> they seem so old um yeah the only like real skateboarder I know obviously is Tony Hawk but he was saying like I was listening to a podcast recently and he was just saying how like uncool skateboarding was when he was growing up like he just was like an outcast and like didn't have any friends other like nobody knew he skateboarded he like hid his skateboard in a bushes and like went to school because he didn't like want people to know because he'd get beat up for it like was that like similar to your school like did people think that was uncool to skateboard yeah like if you brought your skateboard to school Mm -hmm. they'd be like we'll do something or whatever but like yeah, like compared to now, skateboarding is so much more widely accepted and it's like it's an Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. Like, but like that's like just a really small segment of skateboarding, like street skateboarding and like core skateboarding or whatever is like so far from the athlete side of it. But I think that like, you know, obviously those people skate at like a world class level. So it's cool to have skateboarding represented. But back when I started, like my dad skated, but my dad was also an asshole. So like he, he'd always be like, he made me wear a helmet when I was younger, no matter where I went. And so like my three friends and his little brother, uh, like I had to wear my helmet, even if they drove to like, we would go to like the central district in Seattle to go skate mm-hmm. at Garfield. And I'd be like worried my dad was going to pop out of a corner or something and I wasn't going to have my helmet on. <laughs> so they always, <laughs> but uh, he'd be like, what are you going to go grind some fucking benches and like fuck a school up or whatever? And I'm like, I can't even get onto a bench. Yeah. But like that, the assumption is that I'm just like, and that's how people treat you too. Like you get kicked out of a lot of spots. You don't get to just like go any old place. But yeah, um, yeah, people hated skateboarders when I was growing up. So like, no matter where you went, like, you know, even like old men, like grown adults would be like threatening to beat your ass, and like cops would try to take your skateboard or your camera or whatever. I've gotten tickets before. Now everybody you know, and their dog skate. So it's, it's cool. It's like, it's definitely opened this space up and like on a global level, mm-hmm. more women and more trans like representation, obviously, like I was born in 87. So like I didn't start transitioning until I was 30. Like my dad was like extremely homophobic and transphobic. Yeah. And so to see just the growth in the past five years is remarkable. Like groups like skate, like a girl and Poseidon, you know, make sure that like, People are harassing girls or like non-male identifying skateboarders, you know, gender neutral or transgender skateboarders. Like the space has definitely opened up. So it's good to see that. Yeah, that is. Do you feel like safe in the, like in Everett? 
Uh, well, I'm in Bellingham now. Oh, you are. But, okay. uh, yeah, when I lived in Everett, still like I lived there for probably like 12 years off and on. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up like in the hood. So like on a on a job site, my dad was a framer, so I grew up framing and like remodeling houses in like the central district and like all all the people that he brought around. So like I had to be like ready for people to try to fuck with me all the time. It was just yeah. always a you know, and getting harassed on job sites or going to like some random school in an area that we've never been and we're 15. Like I had somebody try to rob me when I was like 14, trying to take my skate camera in the central district in Seattle. So it was like, oh. you know, so I'm, anymore, I mean, I'm, I'm grown now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more, I'm like, I'm looking out for like younger skateboarders and my kids, if they want to go skate, like they all have skateboards, but you know, it's off and on it's scooter or bike or skate or not. <laughs> so yeah. it's whatever they want to do. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Everett's just a wild place anyway. Like, uh, but being a street skateboarder, you go everywhere. And so mm-hmm. you'll, you'll eventually run into somebody who, you know, wants to steal your shit or stab you or whatever. It's a really, yeah. yeah, it's a good way to be exposed to like a lot of different people and like think on your feet. Well, and you're going to places where there's like not a lot of people on purpose so that you can skate there, you know, yeah. to avoid the people that are going to kick you out of places. So yeah, yeah, you might run into people that you might not otherwise. Cause I, I run all around Everett, but, um, yeah, I mean, I can avoid places. Whereas if you're like going to a place to specifically skate where other people aren't going to be, then yeah, I would feel a little bit sketched out. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's like somebody over in the bushes, like shooting heroin or something like that. And then they creep over and like try to grab my purse. Mm-hmm. Cause like I'll like position my selfie stick up against my purse. So my yeah. purse is like my tripod. <laughs> and so, <I'm> like, <laughs> you know, it's been a couple of times where people are like run up and like, I had somebody like try to kick my camera. Like they kicked my whole phone and purse when I was rolling and told me they were going to fucking kill me because I'm a devil tranny bitch or whatever. So, wow. you know, yeah but i mean i also like to skate by myself like i have my that i film with he's my videographer friend jefferson Mm -hmm. like when i'm not with him i'll like i'll just go out on my own and just go film wherever like it's more like it's fun like i like to go and skate with other people too but usually i end up skating by myself because i'll have a day off and just be like all right i'm gonna go out for a few hours and then whatever i get i'll just make a little edit out of it and call it good when jeff comes up to film we're like we'll save that footage for an actual video part but Mm -hmm. for the most part i just go out by myself how many hours a week do you skate like do you do you like count that or do you try to get a certain amount in or anything no like i have to skate at least once a week to not be like um go insane (laughs) yes because it's like it's such a therapeutic thing and uh yeah, just like whatever day I have off, I'll go skate. So if I have like maybe like twice a week for a few hours at a time, mm-hmm. I used to skate a lot more than that. Like, you know, eight hours a day being like a teenager and shit and just jumping downstairs all the time. But now it's like um, my whole skating style and like what I want to skate or what's interesting to me is a lot different than when I was 17. Like, myself downstairs and shit anymore is not 
exciting, but I also would like to continue to skate until I'm like 60 or something. So yeah, I have to kind of be aware of what I'm doing and just like stay within a, not just always being safe, but, you know, try to look at it more creatively, like find things that are uh, not necessarily something else or something somebody else would want to skate. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm left-handed too. So I'm kind of look at, <laughs> look at stuff different, I guess. Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah. So. is it like more like technical stuff that you're working on now than like just like big instead of like big jumps of like jumping down the stairs are you like working on more like tech technique yeah um like i've always been into technical skating uh -huh. but we grew up with like baker skateboards was like hucketville company and like punky and stuff like that so i still like to jump down stuff every once in a while but i think like Definitely there's a technical side to it, but it's also what you skate. So like just hunting for spots is, you know, part of the fun. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at something and you're like, somebody else tries to skate it and then you go there and you're like, oh, maybe we try to skate it like this. So it's like, yeah, I'd like it to be like at a caliber that I'm like proud of, but at the same time, it's more like, I like to just go and find things to see if they can be skated cool whatever comes out you know like yeah do you, do you do you see things and then like want to do certain like tricks on them or like is that kind of what you mean yeah okay. like we uh, like when you have the skateboarder eyes like it never goes away like you i'm sure have experienced this we're driving in the car and somebody's like oh there's a spot and it's yeah. like everything's a spot so if you go on a road trip or go to a different city, you're going to see stuff that you're going to want to skate it. And like a lot of the time you'll pull up to it and like walk over there in person and it's total trash and you can't actually skate it or there's like grass in front of it or something. But yeah, we just try to go and find new stuff to skate and just come up with a way to skate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It really reminds me of climbing a lot. Like, cause like there's, people who climb and like see a spot that they want to try to like work on and, and, and then they accomplish it or, or not. But like, yes, like the technical aspect of skating reminds me of climbing a lot. Um, right. You just had like a video that had like a ton of views on Instagram and like, why <laughs> can you explain like why that is like, what was the trick that you were doing? Uh, the trick was, okay, so the, the local skate park that I, like, when I went to high school was Marysville. Yeah. And so the park, I've skated that park for, like, 20 years. Mm -hmm. I don't skate it often because I don't live there anymore, but, uh, like, the 360 flip was the, the one that flipped, and then the one on the rail really quick after was the front blunt. Okay. And so it's not really anything that's, like, that crazy. Like, a lot of people do 360 flips. Like, it's a normal trick mm -hmm. but i don't really know like how the algorithm works or anything like that like okay. it, we had a meeting that day with um this rep barkus who works for nhs and so i had met him he got me like a board through santa cruz skateboards mm -hmm. and that day the same day as the clip um we had a discussion about um putting me on flow for crux trucks and OJ wheels and Bronson bearings. So mm -hmm. I tag like tag them in everything now. And so I tag them 
that was the first time that I tagged those three companies. And then the clip just went crazy. So I don't know if that had something to do with okay. it. Like I don't know if it was the trick or like the way that it sounded or the, if that helped to be seen more But I was, I've never had it do that before. Like I had a clip that was like a hundred thousand views, but it didn't, it wasn't liked as much. Mm -hmm. And it was just the same. It was like a really basic clip. It just happened to be like, there you go. <laughs> so, okay. but this was the time that like as many people had interacted with it. So there was a lot of people like talking shit and being like, oh, I thought it was some, <laughs> some granny, not a tranny or something like there was a lot of, I had to go back and delete a lot of shit. Cause I was, a. Uh, I left the filter off for like three days because I didn't know that you had like a word filter. Yeah. And so I kind of like let it just do its thing. And I was like, whatever, like I'll go back at some point. But to just let that be like, there's a lot of transphobia still within the skate community. Yeah. And so at some point, like there weren't, uh, you know, black skateboarders or Hispanic skateboarders or Asian skateboarders. There was like one female skateboarder that everybody knew Alyssa steamer growing up like the first openly gay skateboarder was brian anderson mm -hmm. and like i've never met him but anybody like who did one of the people who owns the shop that i ride for pops um he was like yeah everybody knew that like he had lived in sf with him or in the area and so but it was a big deal to me because I, I didn't know i mean i loved brian anderson growing up he was like one of my favorite skateboarders mm -hmm. but um so skateboarding is like a little micro community or as far as like racism or homophobia or chauvinism, like skateboarding will deal with it like pretty quickly. So you can't be like a Nazi and a punk. It's the same thing. You can't be a skateboarder and be a shit bag and treat somebody like garbage just because they're different or you don't believe in their way of life. But I think that like, uh transphobia is still way more prominent in skateboarding than a lot of people really think it is like there's there's actually like a trans and non-binary company called their skateboards and mm -hmm. it's t-h-e-r-e -E, uh which i don't know why they chose to spell it that way but mm -hmm. that's the first like representative company within skateboarding ever so they have pros that are you know trans or non-binary and like 10 years ago that was, was unheard of so there's still a lot of discussion to be had and like, you know, things to break down because, I don't know, even with uh, any women in skateboarding, like yeah. there's always going to be guys that are just like shitheads and they're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's pretty good for a girl or whatever. And it's like, dude, you're not even skating. You're just talking shit online. Yeah. Like nobody cares. It's a fucking peanut gallery. So, you know. I had to kind of just let that go with the with that clip doing that because I was not expecting that. I was like, I'll just go like film a clip. We're gonna go to lunch and then have that meeting. And yeah, it turned out to be like poof. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. I was just like, just gonna let it do what it does. And yeah. But I eventually I got tired of like reading that shit. So I had to delete a lot of stuff. And, yeah. You know, put yeah. a word on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. Not, but... Did you, like, you recently had top surgery when you first started yeah. skating again? Like, how did that feel for you, like, after that surgery? After my top surgery, like, it almost didn't seem like 
that much of a difference. Like my hormone replacement mm-hmm. therapy, like my breast size was pretty good. I think for me, like my yeah. body type, like I have broad shoulders, but like all the women in my family are like broad shouldered women. They could like one of my aunts is like a roofing contractor foreman. Mm-hmm. And like another of them was like doing my step aunt, but uh, she was a guard at Guantanamo Bay. And like my stepmom is a butcher, you know, it's like, they're not princesses. So like for me to like have the top surgery, it just felt like maybe a little bit more noticeable. Like when I was running to like throw my board down, it'd be like jiggling a little bit more, but like, yeah, yeah, it's still, but yeah, the chest hormone replacement therapy for like four years, it was still, I was at a pretty good breast size before that. Yeah. But now it's, uh, I don't know. It's more noticeable, but it's not, it's really not, (laughs) it's, you get used to it really quick and like skating, I don't know, my doctor or my surgeon was like, he's like, do at least a month off, try to go six weeks. And mm-hmm. if you can not skate for two months, he's like, I know you're not going to be able to, but just be careful. And so I skated like the day it was a month. I was like, I'm just going to go out and be like, keep it mellow, just try to get something. So just yeah. like, yeah, but I don't know. I didn't really notice that much of a difference. Like not, w- not when I'm skating, like, Definitely when I go to run and throw my board down and jump on it. Yeah. That's what I'll notice. Other than that, like, yeah, I really noticed it that much. And like emotionally, (laughs) how did that feel though? Like, did you feel? Oh, I was fucking stoked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I like gender dysphoria really young. Yeah. Like people thought my sister and I were twins growing up. Mm -hmm. And so she's two years old. And Mm -hmm. so they're like, some of your I'm like, yeah, I just didn't want to go to school yet. And they're like, really? I'm like, no, dude, we're just, we're two years apart. But <clears throat> she's like, <clears throat> Summer's gender queer. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're like kind of similar, like flip flop version of each other. But um, yeah, like I had, I didn't feel like myself until I started um, transitioning or like pre transitioning. Like I was married and my wife at the time was, uh, she was fully aware of like all the incremental changes that I was going through. Cause like my dad, uh, who I lived near, like within a half hour of for the past 20 years or so moved to Montana. And so I, he's still never seen me in person as Yvette and neither has my stepmom because her and her husband moved to Arizona. And so, um, when I was with my wife at the time, like she was really supportive up until the point that we were going to get divorced because I was to the point where I needed to start hormone replacement therapy or I was probably not going to survive. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> like we're like really close still now, like obviously when you get divorced, it's fucking terrible and you hate each other, but, mm-hmm. uh, like she's been really supportive and, but she was like the first one who just straight up called me out and was like, I think you're like pre transitioning and i was like oh, dude like this is my thing to say but i also like i knew she was right yeah. and so i needed her like we needed each other in a lot of ways and so that was that was really instrumental in me being like ready was my dad leaving for one and then also being with her at the time like she gave me this shirt like five and a half years ago or something mm-hmm. and it's my favorite shirts. I wear it all the time. 
and like she gave me my first dress and stuff like that. So um, by the time I got my or my hormone replacement going and everything like that, it took me like two years to get the top surgery approved and done. So like it was a huge relief and um, just being able to like look at yourself in the mirror and not fucking hate yourself. Mm-hmm. That's that was my my biggest uh, and most obvious change in like self worth and like um, appreciating myself, you know, because I always like had this like shame about it. Like before I came out and like started transitioning, it was like you purge, you go through like periods where you get rid of everything that you own that is like attached to that. And like you hide it as best as you can. Cause like living in the house that I grew up in, like there was no fucking way I could have transitioned when I was 10. So like, I think that now like it's great to see kids having more confidence and like having the parents being more open, but also more apt to like field those kind of questions or, where you know when i was growing up my dad said anything and everything that was like bigoted Mm -hmm. and so like it was pretty obvious to me like how i wasn't so my mom is like not like that at all she's really sweet and uh caring and empathetic and a compassionate person and like doesn't say things to like intentionally hurt people whereas my dad was that kind of person like the most toxic bravado like he wants to come off as the biggest asshole anybody's ever met to everybody yep. to my friends to like anybody you know and so that was pretty obvious to me like growing up that i was like dude i'm so much more like my mom like i don't even know how the fuck this guy's my dad mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and like i'm so much more like my sister uh but yeah by the time he left i was just like it just went right into that like a year and a half later, I think I started transitioning. And so I haven't seen him in like five years. We don't talk anymore either. Because I called him when he turned 60 a little more than a year ago and he just fucking went off on me for like 40 minutes. So it was not a fruitful conversation. Yeah. But, and my brothers don't talk to me anymore or my stepmom. Like, uh, my mom and my sister and my aunts, like, I have like seven aunts. I have one uncle who came up and visited like last week. Um, yeah, but other than that, you know, I have enough family who is supportive, but that has been a really difficult thing that I just, you know, because it's like, that's the house I grew up in. Yeah. You know, Summer didn't live with us the whole time. She stayed in Anaheim. And so, you know, my two brothers, my stepmom and my dad, that's the whole house. You know, and her mom lived with us too, Flurry's mom. Like, it's uh, there's a weird like phantom feeling that comes with that, where it's like they're not dead, yeah. but it's like so out of reach that it's like, what do you even do? You know, just try not to like fuck yourself up, I guess, and go about your life. You know, so yeah, I can't even imagine what that is like. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I mean, it's. It's better um, just because, like, when I left that line open for them, mm-hmm. they repeatedly, like, crossed the line and shit on me. and was just like, I can't do this anymore. You know, like, the first year and a half or so of my transition, it was like, my stepmom would call me crying and be like, I just feel like you're dead. 
your brothers don't know how to be around you and your cousins don't know how to be around you anymore. And like, what the fuck? And I'm just like at work and I'm just like, Oh, this is fucking great. You know, it's like surprise, your fucking day is ruined. Yeah. My dad would just be like, my dad straight up told me, he's like, I don't know. You don't sound Yvette enough for me to call you Yvette. And like, that's part of the reason why I haven't done speech therapy mm-hmm. is because like, no trans person owes, owes anybody anything. You don't have to do anything to prove who you are. Like I wear makeup because I feel like it. Like I wear red lipstick as a sign of like feminism. And so for my dad, like he actually lived with my great uncle who transitioned to be his uncle. So it was my, my grandma, Valerie, my middle, my middle name is her. My other, my last name is my other grandma, Kim, who just passed away. My mom's mom. And so Valerie, my grandma had one sibling who was uh, an escort in the mob down in Anaheim. And so at the time she was still, she, she took out like Hollywood starlet people and they weren't allowed to touch her. And so she had a lot of female clients. And so the only way that she could get out, like she started a hormone replacement therapy and transitioned to be male. And so like grew facial hair and like other physical changes to where uh, he was an undesirable to the mob. And so like broke his arm over the hood of a car and left. Uh, They broke his arm over a car. And then so he left Anaheim area and moved to Pennsylvania. And so my dad ended up living with Chris, uh, like shortly after he was 18, he was like institutionalized. Like he did too much acid and thought he was Jesus Christ or whatever. So like he was living in a hippie commune with my grandfather at the time up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, Valerie, my grandma wouldn't let him back to Orange County. So she's like, you're going to go live with Chris and learn how to break horses and work on a farm in Pennsylvania. So it's kind of ironic that like my dad struggled with gender dysphoria, but he was also raised by his transgender uncle for him to give me that much shit. And <clears throat> I'm just like, I got to the point where I was like, I just need to be like, I need to say this before he dies. Cause he's not that old, but like my dad was a drug addict forever. So like he was on borrowed time for long enough to where I'm like, I need to say this before I can't say it anymore. And whatever mm-hmm. fuck happens, like that's that's what it is. And so that's pretty much where I'm at. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, I'm not doing this for anybody else. Like my kids obviously are gonna benefit. They don't need their parent to be all fucked up and like emotionally like withdrawn and stuff like that. So they've seen an obvious difference in me, just like my mom and my sister or anybody who's met me. It's like when people start their transition, they can start being who they are. And so anybody, whether they're family or not, if they can't handle that or like be not the bigger person but at least be bigger than a lot of them end up being it's like you gotta just leave them behind you know and just fucking go forward because like you know a lot has changed in my life like i was a contractor i ran my own company i ran my dad's company growing up too and like i don't ever want to be a contractor again like i want to go and be a nurse if i don't you know have a career in skateboarding mm-hmm so like getting away from that was a huge thing too. It was like, you know, that wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be like doing that forever. Like, I'm glad that I spent the time doing it because like none of my other siblings really took any time to learn the trades, but it also like it conditioned me 
in a way where I'm like, you know, don't fuck with me. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a grown woman. And yeah. so I ran, I, I ran my company uh, another two years after starting transitioning. And so it was like, you know, I had to do that to represent myself and my community, you know, but now I'm done with it. Like I work at Walgreens and I make like, I don't know, 10% of what I used to make. And I'm totally fine. <laughs> it's like a, you know, stand up comedy for eight hours a day, basically. And so I really enjoy that. Like, you know, the neighborhood people or the older couple who comes in to get their toilet paper and go, hey, that, blah, blah. And it's like, I know you, young lady. And it's like, it's a really, it's a really positive transition. Like, there's a lot of things that like you, you transition, not just your, how you look or your name or your voice or body or anything like that. Like your whole world changes. You know, mm -hmm. I might, I might eventually do uh, speech therapy, but I had put it on hold like when COVID started because mm -hmm. it's like, it requires a lot of uh, oxygen. And so like breathing has always been difficult for me anyway. So like, but I also do impressions growing up when you grow up, not wanting to be yourself, you tend to do a lot of impressions. So I didn't want my voice to sound like an impression. Cause I was just like, you know, I am me. So it's like, whatever people can say, whatever the fuck they want, they're going to do it anyway. So, yep. um, yeah. So I'm comfortable with myself and like, you know, how I talk, I deal with the public constantly. So it's, you know, I think it's important, you know, to like not abandon my, struggle or anybody else's struggle so i don't know if i would ever really want to be like i hate the term passing but mm -hmm. uh you know to be like blend in so much or like to the point where you can't tell that i'm transgender i like to be transgender i like that to be known because i would rather like have a conversation with somebody if there's a potential to like bridge an understanding rather than just like leave them in the dark you know mm -hmm. and then you know, leave behind anybody else who still hasn't come out or failed to do so for whatever reason. So, yeah. but it wasn't easy getting to that point. I had to, I had to stomach a lot of it, you know. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, probably know the answer to this question, but like, do you feel like more policed um, as far as your body goes? Like, not that you're more feminine presenting do you feel that way uh like by strangers or yeah yeah i mean i can definitely <laughs> i definitely noticed it like one of my best friends uh lace was like you know i was always looking like people would like stare at me when i was younger and like just want to fight me mm -hmm. that was from a really young age um so i kind of like had that mentality where i'm like fuck's this person looking at and my friend Lacey was like babe they're just looking at you because you're hot now and I was like oh like I had to like you know I had never been looked at like that before that's mm -hmm. uh I never saw myself like that either like I hated looking in the mirror when I was younger and so um it took a little bit of time to like adapt to being checked out or whatever but I also I feel like I have a welcoming presence but also if it's somebody who's going to be trying to cross a line or something like they can tell pretty quickly like don't even fucking try it dude like mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so there's a confidence there i think that um 
wasn't complete until I started transitioning. And so like anymore, it's like, I don't mind people checking me out or, you know, people comment or whatever. And they're like, nice rack. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. You (laughs) I'm not going to engage with them or anything like that, but I'm not going to get pissed either. It's not worth it. Just kind of go about the day. I mean, I've had people like grab at me before and like I had been sexually assaulted before, but, uh, yeah, I try to just steer clear of like situations that would result in something like that. If I can, I don't go do pub crawls and shit like that, or, you know, I don't go to parties and stuff like that. It's not, I'm an adult now, you know? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I just, I kind of like the thing for me, like it really changed, like as far as like trans women's um rights go it just like it flipped a switch when i realized that it's just like another way that like men are policing like women's bodies like i just think that i like growing up i was really like because i'm very muscular and i like i'm very strong and just like the way that i looked i was like called a man like by a guy that i didn't like i turned down at a at a club or something like that like and I just think that this is another situation, which is exactly the same as things that I've like grown up with um, of like men just deciding how women need to be looking to, in order to be a woman, you know, gotta have boobs, a certain size, whatever else, like that literally is like the same thing. And so for me, I'm just like, I'm activated. (laughs) It's so fucking true though, too, because that whole peanut gallery, all the people who are talking shit online, who are all, dudes yep you know and it's like what some fucking incel on instagram like thinks that they're the authority on like what's what mm-hmm. nobody asked you dude like yeah but they're gonna, they're gonna speak like that anyway no matter what no matter who it is they'll mm-hmm. probably always find something to like try to put somebody down so yeah yeah i could definitely imagine like <laughs> how pissed you might get because my sister is like really athletic too. She was mm-hmm. a, a merit scholar athlete of the year at Pilchuck. And so she oh, got awesome. a four. And like, ironically, my dad would always like give her shit for like doing cross country or working at a gym or like, where are you going to go work out? And like, my sister made a hundred thousand dollars a year in Manhattan teaching like physical training and yoga, you know? And so like he pat himself on the back for that. And like, you don't fucking work out, dude. Like, you always laughed at summer when she was doing cross country and said that, you know, she was buff and shit. And it's like, look at her now, dude. <laughs> it's like, you had nothing to do with that. So, yeah. you know, it's the same thing. If they're just like, they think that they're important and that their opinion matters. It's like, you would have no fucking chance with Jackie anyway. Yeah. 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 It's exactly the situation. It's just like, because of all of that, I like realized that I was like, I feel like I don't seem very feminine to people. Like that's like a belief I had about myself. And I kind of like ha- came into that realization just in lately. I'm like, I didn't even realize that about myself because I had all, had all these people telling me like, okay, this is what feminine is. This is what femininity is. This is what it looks like. This is how you should behave. And then now I'm like, no, you know, it's, my story i get to dictate what it looks like to be a woman yeah so yeah 
absolutely. Like my mom always, uh, my mom's like an ultra feminist and my grandma who had passed away last year, Kim, same thing. Like when I was growing up, I wanted to have a doll. And so my mom bought me a doll because summer and, my, uh, and I just lived with my mom and my grandpa in Orange mm-hmm. County. I didn't even remember my dad, but I would talk to him on the phone like once a year or something like that. And he'd be like, Chris, you know, don't let him have a fucking doll. And my mom's exact words were like, Ted, I'm not interested in any of your fucking gender bias bullshit. Like she's so, and it's so true because like, it's just a construct. Like what you're supposed to do, like who's supposed to do what, how you're supposed to sound, what you're supposed to look like. Like I want to write a children's book called Everybody's Different. Because when I work at uh, Walgreens, like this little kid and their mom will come by and they'll be like, why does he sound like a boy? Or why does she sound like a boy and look like a girl? And that's usually my first response. I'm like, everybody's different. You know, we all go through changes differently at different times. And they're like, oh, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the end. And then they're just go about to get their toy or whatever. And it's like, you know, behind them will be some 60-year-old dude who's just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that fucking guy <laughs> does not know as much as this five-year-old who just, like, schooled you. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's really, uh, that's something it's going to take a lot longer to like break down you know it's instilled in us that like you have to be at this level otherwise you're not feminine or like you know like men are not allowed to cry apparently mm-hmm. which is like i would hope that men would be like willing to cry because it's a strength like if they can do that and be open like i think being so guarded is like it's got to be such a hindrance on their life um but like that was how my dad was and it just didn't work out for him. You just moved out to Bellingham. So are you, do you have like a big skateboarding community there? Cause I know like you were really like hooked into like pops, the skateboarding shop in Everett. Like, do you have a community there? Are you still like tight with everybody that's in Everett? Yeah. Uh, before I started writing for pops, mm-hmm. I had moved for the unknown skate shop in Bellingham for like 10 years. Uh, like 10 or 11 years they and so when pops and uh, unknown they all know each other and so it wasn't like fuck you i'm leaving i was just like i'm gonna ride for pops because i live here and uh but yeah it's, there's a lot of people up here like the owner of unknown garza is great they'll run in every once in a while and there's some other like skate like a girl uh younger riders up here who are really cool and like enthusiastic but i mean i'm I'm kind of a hermit skater anyway. Like I don't have to always have somebody around to go skate, but like, if I go to the DIY, like I'll run into whoever's there and just, you know, it's a good community. Bellingham's got a lot more skateboarders, like, and Everett really has like had a huge surge. Like pops did a, a grant through the city of Everett and the boys and girls club. So they got like 60 grand or something for, uh, marginalized youth so they bought like 200 complete skateboarder skateboards and helmets and like a van and had like a enough for like instruction so there's like a counselor person who like teaches skate camp and stuff too and so it was crazy to see that many people rolling down the street and everyone like yes it's happening (laughs) finally that's so cool that's awesome are you like 
is there anything that you're like working on like do you have like a a goal for skateboarding like that you're working uh on? Yeah, that uh, that meeting with Barkus for Crux and OJ's and Bronson, that was huge because I had gotten to the point where like I wanted to be vocal about it because I'm like I'm not getting any, any younger, mm-hmm. so if I'm gonna have a career in skateboarding, I like I need to pursue this, and so um, I had struggled for a while, uh, honestly, with addiction. Like I had an energy or I had an injury like three years ago on my neck and like aside from that all the other stuff that I was going through with like family and stuff like that so I've been clean for a year and so like right around the time that I had that meeting it was like coming up on a year that I've been clean and so I also look at like who is representing transgender skateboarders and I don't want it to always be like that every trans girl who's a skateboarder or trans woman who's a skateboarder needs to be pigeonholed into being like a gutter punk dirt punk like fairy looking person like i wear black i'm punky but i don't need to look like you know everything is all raggy and stuff because it's like the few who are on the radar uh who are trans professionals like a lot of them i think there's a lot of image to it like they're rad and i love their skateboarding but I also think that there's like, uh, I don't know how to even say it. Like, there's gatekeeping. Like, they, if, I don't want it to just be like, you know, you can't be like a, a pro skateboarder unless you look like a pixie or something like that. Which is like, if that's your thing, right on. But like, if you wear a shirt from Target, you should still be able to fucking skate and like have a career if you're good at it, you know, and you're committed to it. So I had that discussion with uh, the shop owners and with Marcus and was like, yeah, I want to fucking skate. Like I would like to have an impact um, as my own, like who I am, but also like I look different. I'm not like trying to look like anybody else. Like I'm not going to go buy a fucking leather jacket and shit. Like <laughs> just, <laughs> just love to skate. And so like, I don't want there to be like a mold or a profile that you have to adhere to. Otherwise you're not allowed to be, you know, on this, like, cause not every company really has representation, which is another thing. So I'm like, I want to break through whatever fucking barrier there is and just skate. That's what I like to do. And also like talking to the people and like younger people too. And, uh, just listen to what they have to say and like help them to like build confidence in themselves and feel comfortable, you know, they're out there. They have people who can represent with them, you know. So tapping into that is that's it's been really important to me. So it was on my mind a lot, like coming up to that meeting. So I'm glad that it worked out. <laughs> did did anything happen from that meeting, or do you can't talk? Yeah, about yeah. So uh, I got the three like flow sponsors. So I'm gonna have like a box of products. So it goes like flow. And then am and pro. So if you're am or pro, you get paid to skate. Mm-hmm. But like flow, where I'm at, you get product, which is great too. But also like um, at some point exposure or something too. So you know, just to be like, I've ridden for a shop forever, and I'm really grateful to like ride for a shop because they hook me up. You know, skateboards or wheels or shoes or whatever. But uh, I would like to take it to a different level. So. 
I had to speak up. I'm glad like Marcus is great too. Like he's really good at uh finding people and like tapping into the communities in skateboarding because there's a lot of them. Like the not professional, sorry. I mean like when the Olympic sport of skateboarding is different than like what people do on the streets or like how does that work? Yeah, with um like Olympic skateboarding or there's another contest circuit called Street League. Yeah. You have a, a timed run and like they're judged. Like skateboarding is really uh subjective. So like it's like judging somebody doing like a triple lutz on figure skating. Like how do you score somebody's run like on a skateboard that there's like there's people who train and they like do the same trick 15 times in a row and they like map out their run. Like I'm going to do this trick on that. I'm going to go here and do that. I'm going to go over here and do this. And it's like, it's very scripted and like, it's incredible. Like there is skate at a really high level, but um, I don't know for me, like I hate contests. Like I'll go and do like a jam format thing, but like, I don't want to do a 90 second run. Cause I'm going to be dead at the end of 90 seconds anyway, mm-hmm. like breathing. Cause I'm like, Oh, they're like, that's only 30 seconds. You got to keep going for another minute. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, but I'm also not like competitive. There's some people who are skateboarders who are really competitive and they have that like built into them. And so they have their arena that they can do that. You know, the Olympics is like on a global level, like, Yeah. Japanese skateboarders are amazing. Brazilian skateboarders are amazing. Like the U.S. team, Australia, like there's some rippers everywhere. And like, it's, I don't know. It's always been interesting to me. Like when the X Games came out, that was the first time I like really started seeing like mainstream skateboarding contests. So to see like people that I saw in videos, like wearing a helmet and doing like a time 90 second run was just like, I don't know. It didn't didn't spark any interest in me. Like it just mm-hmm. seemed kind of lame. <laughs> so, yeah, the core side of skateboarding is like, you know, there's people who build DIY spots or do skate camps or they just film video parts. So, like, um, the video part is like your album if you're a musician. So, like, yeah, this like completed thing of work that you worked on for however long, a year and a half or two years if it's in like with a company or a shop video or something like that, that that's like the core side of it and just going and skating and not being like concerned about being a gold medal winner or like winning a $50,000 pot or something like that. Like that's rad. Like they're great at skating, but it's like, it's a whole different vibe. Again, Tony Hawk, my only reference that I have for us today. (laughs) Um, so that's more like what he was working on was just like a 90 second run pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Tony is the ultimate like example of that. And not just like being a contest skateboarder, uh, but being like a commercialized skateboarder. Like he was selling like bagel bites and shit and like mm-hmm. his video games and like, you know, what's Tony Hawk doing on the freeway? Front side nose grind. And it's like a cell phone commercial. And like mm-hmm. he's like, like the shack of skateboarding he will sell anything does not matter so it's like uh skateboarding back then like when tony was younger like a teenager um contest bowl skateboarding and like vert ramp skating was the only only way to like make a living 
you had to compete. Like they had like a street course, but it was not what we would consider street nowadays. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you didn't do contests, you couldn't be a pro skateboarder in the eighties. So like Tony was like uh, the outlier, I guess, in that situation where he was like extremely talented and it just happened to be like the skateboarding uh, hadn't completely died yet, you know, because it's gone through periods where there hasn't been as much uh, available as far as like industry or, you know, companies go under. There's some companies that have been around forever that, you know, they're not going anywhere. Tony's is one of them. But yeah, anymore, it's like there's so many different avenues or windows of like how you can be a skateboarder or be a sponsored skateboarder or whatever. Like (laughs) being a professional skateboarder would be awesome. But it's also like any people that I know who are pro, like they're not, I don't know, they're not like a football player or something. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, they wake up and make a smoothie and like, walk their dog and like <laughs> they're not like going to the fucking gym for three hours a day and shit like i don't know some of those other like olympian level people they do like for sure mm-hmm. the you know the hashers out there they just they do their thing and a cool it's cool to see a lot of them have like gotten clean too because like the people i looked up to like andrew reynolds mm-hmm. who started baker skateboards like he was a shit show and baker came out and he's been silver for like 20 years now That's awesome. and so like yeah he was a big uh, inspiration for me to like you know leave that shit behind and really like focus on what i want to do whether it's skateboarding or anything else it's like yeah you don't want to get too close to the to the edge or the end it's just mm-hmm. not worth it so it's good to see that yeah well, congratulations on a year as well. Like that is so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I want to go buy a keychain or something. You do. You should. <laughs> I don't want to go get a coin like I went through AA and all that shit before. Like, which is it's great. It works for people, but mm-hmm. yeah. But I'll yeah I'll get some sort of a memento and keep working on my second year. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a pretty good community for that? Yeah. Um, I mean, the people that I used with, like, they're in Everett. Okay. And I don't know, like, how they're doing at all. Like, and my ex, I don't know what he's up to anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, like, I basically called my own intervention. I called my mom and told her, which was, like, the fucking hardest thing I've ever done. I was like, I need to fucking leave Everett. You know, and so I told my sister like a couple of days later, she came over. And so I'm really grateful that like my mom gave me the space to do that. And so she's my community. And then also like the store that I worked at, my manager, like I was straight up with her because I had worked there uh, previously, like a year prior. It was still like on the fence. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, when I was like, straight up with my mom and my sister i was like obviously i'm not gonna go back like i already did the hard part and so that's been really instrumental and like the shop pops you know and my filmer friend jefferson um my really close friends like Britt, lacy christina um i just i told the people who needed to know 
like I haven't talked to my brothers or my dad or my stepmom because I'm like, you know, they weren't um, behind me or supportive of like through my difficult time when I really needed them. So now that I'm like to a point where I'm comfortable and I put that behind me, I don't need anybody like clouding that shit up. I'm just yeah. like going forward and that's that's where I'm at. So I do have a really good community behind me and my partner too is really supportive. Good. You really, you do need that. So that's, I'm glad to hear that you have a good community when you're going through that kind of hard, 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 hard thing. Um, and yeah. again, like, congratulations. That's so difficult to get out of. So, and you did. By Thank yourself. you. Yeah. This, like I don't, I don't dream about it or anything. Like I, it's almost hard to believe I ever lived that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but I mean, I had to put in my time. I just, for like, somebody like me and like the life that I lived and people I grew up around, they were all fucking criminals and drug addicts. So it's like, at some point I was going to have, I was going to have to come to terms with that. And so like, yeah, it was another thing that didn't fit me. So yeah, just shed it and move forward. So I'm grateful that I made it out. Yeah. But I don't devalue the experience either. Cause like it was necessary for my growth ultimately. We always ask this one question of all of our guests, and that is what words of empowerment that you would give to, I mean, you kind of said a lot of good words of empowerment throughout this whole interview, but um, that you would give maybe somebody who's younger than you or who is just, you know, becoming active or maybe just going through like a change in their life. Um, I would think that like, no matter who you are or what you're going through, like you're going to struggle you're going to stumble and you're not going to do it right the first time and nobody's perfect. So like allow yourself some grace and, um, appreciate yourself and like appreciate, you know, the milestones that you have achieved. Like there's always going to be something to do throughout your whole life. You're never going to be done until you're done. And so, um, be patient and take your time and just really, um, experience, that as full as uh, fully as you can like don't try to take yourself out of a situation by substance abuse or uh, um, hiding from it or running from the emotion like feel the emotion feel the experience and go through the experience because it's your experience so like don't ever let anybody tell you you're not you and you can't do it because you can do you want to like you have anything you want to plug or any organizations you're working with definitely want to give a shout out to pop skate shop and skate like a girl seattle and like barkus and my friends um from the every area in marysville marysville um yeah my mom my sister and my kids my sister's kids all my aunts you know my uncle uh yeah just family and friends and you thank you for having me on your show of course yeah and yeah we'll have to tag up go Go down to Everett like every yeah. month or a couple of weeks or so. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, where can people follow you? What's your handle on Instagram? Uh, Veta underscore Valerie. If anybody has any questions or um, I also had uh, did have the state paid for my top surgery. So if anybody needs help navigating, um, finding like a safe hormone replacement clinic that's LGBTQ plus approved, like a safe zone or any of the uh, paths that you need to navigate to go through getting hormone replacement therapy or surgery you can find me on instagram so feel free to reach out and 
Yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, you can follow me personally. That's at Jacqueline Gross, J-A-C-A-L-Y-N-G-R-O-S-S. You can follow UR Sportswear. That's letter U, letter R, Sportswear on all social platform. You can check out any of our products at URSportswear.com. Dot com. If you're listening to this and you want to watch the video version, you can check out our UR Sportswear YouTube channel. That's the letter U, the letter R, and space Sportswear. This video and audio version of this podcast was produced by Jeremy Canaria and edited by me. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. I yeah, thank you for having me. I was so fun. it was so fun. So thank you, Jackie. Yeah. yeah. And, and- uh yeah we'll we'll definitely tag up thank you for having me again it was great thank you i really appreciate it